Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Before we get to this week's guest, let's talk about sleep. Listen to these studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins. Chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. We need eight hours of sleep. One of sleep's biggest problems, temperature. It's tough to get good sleep if you're too hot. I want to tell you about the pod by eight sleep. It's a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. Developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool, your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed. Sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. Try it for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, we'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. They've already sold out of their first two batches, so they're going fast. For a limited time, get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash pro. E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash pro. This week in our podcast, I am joined by not only a soccer coach, but a teacher. It's a soccer coach, when you talk soccer coach, most people are coaching at one place, but Frank Marino at Westlake High School is coaching at, obviously, Westlake High School. He's the head coach at Cal Lutheran, and he coaches with the Eagles Club Soccer Program. Frank, thanks for joining me here. No problem. Happy to be here. For you, this all started back in 2000, I believe. You were, you were young. You're, you were at a video. You were working at a video store. And you were at Westlake, you started at Westlake in 2000, but this all started when you were about 15 years old, when you were working in a video store and you were talking to somebody and he asked, what do you want to do when you're older? And you said, I want to teach and coach. Walk me through that whole thing. Yeah. Um, during high school, I, I worked at a video store and, and it's funny to talk about that today because you can't even find a video store that's that's available or open. Um, and And we had a... Uh, a person, Lou Lichtel, who was at the time the uh, athletic director at Royal High School, used to come in and rent videos. And he had asked me, you know, what did I want to do when I when I got older? And I said, oh, I want to be a teacher and a coach. And um, he gave me his business card and said, when you finish college, you know, look me up and uh, let me know um, when you're ready. So, you know, through through a you know number of different steps after college. Um, I was working at an indoor soccer place, coaching soccer for the Eagle Soccer Club. I was had actually started at Westlake as the boys' JV coach a couple years prior to that. And uh, while while the boys' JV coach at Westlake, we played Thousand Oaks High School. And right before the varsity game started, I was walking off the field, and lo and behold, Lou Lichtel was at Thousand Oaks High School. Came up to me, said hello, and said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm coaching boys' JV soccer for Westlake High School. He said, wow, I, I'm the AD here. Why didn't you call me? And I said, well, you know, I kind of got this job. I'm working on my teacher credential. I'm not quite done yet. And uh, he again, again gave me his business card at Thousand Oaks High School. And he said, hey, let me know um, when you're ready to get a teaching job. 
Well, the next year, he actually moves from Thousand Oaks High School to Westlake High School. The girl's job opens at Westlake High School. And um, I had actually applied for another job at a high school in Camarillo and was looking to, to go there. And uh, the boys coach, Bill Propster at the time, called me up and said, hey, why don't you apply for the girls job? And I was young, a couple years out of college. And I'm thinking, coaching, coaching girls, I've never done this. I've coached boys in high school and boys in club. There, there was no way I was going to coach girls. And um, he said, no, I think you should apply for the job. Said, I said, okay, I'll, I'll apply for the job. And lo and behold, I didn't know the encouragement was coming from Lou Lichtel, who had become the athletic director at Westlake High School. So um, I went ahead and applied for the job, interviewed for the job, and uh, ended up getting the job. Um, I get some really good candidates, um, some coaches that had won CIF championships and stuff I was up against. And I was a young guy with two years of JV boys high school experience and and Lou Lichtel took a chance on me and, and hired me. A few weeks after that, uh, somebody went out um, long-term sub teaching and ended up getting a teaching job as well. And that was in 2000. And since then, you've, you've proven your worth. 12 league titles, five second place finishes, uh, a CIF championship in 2003. When you began there, what was what was your playing experience? Because a lot of people want to know, well, did you play the game? And people that never really played the game, well, maybe they're not great coaches. What was your experience and, and how did you learn soccer? Well, you know, obviously playing growing up, uh, it was a big part of my life. Um, I wasn't very good, so that was part of it. I'm thinking when you're not very good, it helps you become a better coach. So I think that was a, you know, a big part of it. Um, and you, you kind of have to learn on the fly that way. And it, and from that, as as I got through, through college and stuff, um, I was able to kind of focus on how could I be better, where could I learn, and try to find mentors or people that could could help me along the way. And then, so you do that, so you're at Westlake. What were your thoughts going into a program that was already a successful program? How did you put Frank's stamp on it and get people to buy in? It was really hard. I, I, I made a lot of mistakes those first couple of years. We had a really good program. I was I was really young. I don't think I was I was really good at it at the time. Um, one of the steps that I took is while I was finishing my master's after I finished my credential was is I, I made my emphasis on um, female motivation. So I actually wrote my thesis on female motivation for my master's degree. So I tried to learn you know, how could I do a better job interacting, you know, with females? And I thought if I could figure that piece of it out, you know, through some mentors, through coaching education, the licensing, um, through going to, you know, various um, different uh, conventions and, and workshops that I, I could, I could, the soccer part of it was for me, the easier part. It was more, how could I motivate and get these girls to play hard for me and play the right way? And uh, through some of that research and and uh, and learning more, I think I kind of figured it out. And by year three, we end up winning the CIF championship. Now, you coach boys, and, and we've all coached. I mean, I've coached boys, I've coached girls, I've coached my own kids, which is different. But what's the biggest difference you found in coaching boys and coaching girls as far as how you deal with them? In, in my experience, sometimes you can yell at guys a little bit more. You can get on them a little bit more. But the emotional part of the girl – Sometimes you just you just can't, you know, be that old school Bobby Knight type guy. What what was the biggest thing you took away? 
Uh, there's a few things. I think one of the biggest factors you have to think about is what happens off of the field does affect what happens on the field with with women. So you have to you have to factor that into the equation. The other piece is um, th- they want to feel valued. They want to feel connected to a group, and I think that's important too. You got you got to find a way to to get the group to be connected with each other. They truly have to have genuine relationships and care for each other. So as a coach, you've got to find a way to create that. And uh, if you can create that, you'll be successful. You're right. The, you know, yelling and screaming aspect doesn't work. It's it's not the best way to go. It's not a real positive aspect to it. Um, it really is uh, correcting them, coaching them. They want honesty. Um, and being just straightforward with them all the time and also showing them how much you care. I think that's one of the, one of the biggest aspects. And I, I think that a lot of times when we get to the older ages, you know, for, forget the, the, the little kids. When, you know, being a high school teacher myself and, and you being a high school teacher, we have to juggle that girl drama of which there is a lot. Do you find that at every level that you've coached and in the three different places that you coach, you have a lot of that? And how do you deal with it? Which we, we've tried to prevent it now. I think by, by creating a, a culture and an atmosphere um, where you have togetherness and connectedness and you have true, genuine relationships, there's less of that drama. I think it spirals out of control when you don't um, actually be specific um, about what you're doing. If you allow things to just happen, um, that drama can happen. But I think if you can create an environment and be um, aware of what's going on, you, you can avoid a lot of it. There's always going to be some. I think it happens with guys' teams too. There's going to be some no matter what happens. But I think if you can uh, create a an environment where people truly, truly want to play for each other and care for each other, um, the drama will not be a big factor. And how did you do that? What did you do? What kinds of team bonding activities did you do? How did you get them – to all be on the same page to to avoid that where it doesn't even become an issue. Well, one of the things you know here at the, here at the uh, I started here at the college a few years back is we actually read some books and um, we we use the books as as kind of tools for you know understanding what it means uh, to be a good teammate, what it means to treat people the right way, what it means to bring great energy. Um, to training uh, and to the team every day that you're you're there, and we use these kind of as our our you know I, I guess our to guide our principles you know of what we expect from our players, and we use those for discussion, and they really are, are things that we lean back on. A um, couple of good books, Legacy by James Kerr, Energy Bus by John Gordon, as a couple of examples of 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 books that we we look at and we read and we discuss and. Once you get to that point, now you're having open discussion about, you know, what's what's important with being a good teammate. You know, what's important with um, h- how we interact with each other. One of the things I've, I changed, even at the high school, we don't have this hierarchy where the the freshmen clean up all the equipment and carry the equipment every single day. You know, that doesn't breed togetherness. So, um, you know, each day is rotated amongst the different grade levels because if the seniors are doing it, what a great example it is for the freshmen um, when they come in, that they're all equal. Everybody has an equal part of what we're doing, whether you're the first player or the last player on, on the team. That's awesome. And, and I'm sure you use that with all the children you have at your house where everybody has to pitch in, right? 
Of course, you know, yeah. We, yeah. You know, it's why you have so many kids. So you can get all the chores done at your house, right? Exactly. I'm, I, I may, maybe I need to have another one. <laughs> How long did it take you to get the trust of everybody involved at Westlake? The, the, the players, the parents, the administration. You know, I think after that third year when we won the CIF championship, then all of a sudden, you know, just because you win, I think you start to get some credibility, right? So I think uh, whether that was earned or not earned or whatever you want to say, I think um, you get credibility. And I think from then on, we continued to win. So as you win, um, people right or wrong think you're doing a good job and, and, and think that, you know, you do something right. And I think that helped us because I think, Obviously, as we've gotten old, older in this, you know, kids have a choice of where to go to school, right? So I think you see, you know, kids, you know, especially within our district, will say, hey, you know, he's got a good reputation. That's a good place to go. Um, you know, he gets it. And I think I also get the balance in high school of, of, of club soccer, high school soccer, and where that all fits, right? We're, we're not going to spend our off-season PE class, you know, doing fitness and running sprints. These kids are playing all the time. They're practicing all the time. They're sports specific. You know, when I was growing up, you know, I played multiple sports. So it's, it was much different than than it is today, right? They're, they specialize in one sport. So, you know, we're going to do some soccer stuff during PE class and, and focus on that. And we're, we're not going to run them into the ground because they're already getting that outside of school, you know? And I think the other, the other piece is, you know, this sounds crazy to some. I stopped doing winter break tournaments um, in high school. You know, I, I felt these kids need a break. They, they don't need to play more games. They actually need to play a little bit less because they're playing year round and all the time. So uh, one of the things I found is, you know, by not playing, they're more refreshed when we get back from the break as far as games go. Um, the other piece, it always creates challenges. People need to go on vacation. And, and then all of a sudden you get back for your first game in league and you had, you know, five of your better players you know, gone and miss a game because they were on vacation. And then what, do you sit them out? Do you play them? It, it created all these, you know, questions. So I think as you learn and you go through and you say, you know what, these kids need to be kids too sometimes. Right. Now, how do you juggle the, because club is year round and, and the club coaches demand so much from kids. And then the high school coaches want the kids. How do you juggle the, the, and deal with the burnout issue and the overuse injuries is, has, how much success have you found over not playing winter break tournaments? And then how do you deal with it during the whole year? We've been better. I mean, we're doing far less than we did when I started 20 years ago, right? And, and uh, I, I think doing less is in some ways better. That The problem is this high school, I think, has too many games in a short period of time, and there's not enough practice time. So really, you're just going to tactically build a team and, and, and try to put the team out there the best you can. Um, we don't do a lot of skill work. We don't do a lot of what I would call taxing things on the on the body, which in soccer is, you know, a lot of a lot of skill work and a lot of one v one, two v two stuff. We stay away from that. We're doing a lot of more whole team um, sort of aspect of things to to get better. And I think you know, high school in a lot of kids' minds, that especially the higher level clubs players, is a break. It's a way to socially interact and enjoy being with your friends that you've grown up with, which I think is awesome. Now, you know, being competitive, it's that balance, right? Of how much do you push and how much do you, do you give in? And I think I've tried to find that balance, right? Find how much we can push and when pushing is too much. Um, how do you then deal with the kids that are so much more serious, your club players, 
and the kids that just want to go out and and just play soccer for fun? I I think you know we try to make high school fun. I think we want we want everybody to enjoy it, and we want um, we want those leaders or those better serious players to help push those players along to do the best that they can. We had a, you know, we had a fun game Friday night against Agora. Uh, we, we won the game two one. Um, and it was, it's competitive and as entertaining of a high school game that I've been in, in a long time. And I think, you know, with the Academy starting and, and stuff and a lot of players not playing high school, the levels changed a lot and, and my mindset's changed a lot with it. Um, but it was a really just entertaining, fun uh, it was physical competitive game, and I think we we had some players really step up in that game and and did a great job. And I could I could see us grow a little bit um, throughout the week. We um you know we started zero and four for the season this year, which is definitely the worst start since I've I've been there in the twenty years. Um, we lost the opening game to Oak Park, and then and then I actually am on the national soccer committee for Division three, so I. I and I got elected to that in in the summertime and had already made my high school schedule. So I had three games during that time period. I actually missed three games in a row. We ended up losing a couple of tight games and then got beat by Buena at our showcase that we host. So we're we're 0 and 4 when I get back, and I'm feeling guilty as it is because obviously I was gone and we're 0 and 4 and never had anything to deal with. Us. And I just said, hey, let's let's just try to get one. And, and we had a tough week. I, I, there was a distinct chance we could be 0-7 going into, you know, our game next week against Hart. And we found a way to win all three games. Um, you know, got a, got some confidence with the win against Fillmore. Um, got a great win, I thought, against Foothill Tech, um, who had played Hart real competitive the week before. And then found a way to win the game against Agora, who had just come off a 4 nothing win against Oaks Christian. So, um, you know, now, now I feel like we have some confidence getting ready for league. We've got one more game left. So um, I think we're kind of headed in the right direction, I hope. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's a, an exciting time for sports. Sophomore sensation Lamar Jackson is redefining what it means to be a dual-threat quarterback. Odds on Jackson to win the MVP race were 50-1 to to begin the season and have gone down since making my bookie's prop selection more attractive than ever. Then on the 14th, we have one of the most stacked UFC cards in a long time. Three championship fights, all highly anticipated, right in the betting capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. Without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action, and we have the best place for you to go, my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little, win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, you like a couple of big favorites this week, Parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promotional code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV. Get your extra cash for my bookie. Bet, win, get paid. Frank, you mentioned a minute ago about dual sport athletes and how specialization has kind of taken over with, with kids. And I, I don't know how you feel about two sport or three sport athletes. I'm a big fan of it because I think it gives kids a break from one sport to the other, one coach to the other. It allows their bodies to rest and recover, use different muscle groups. What, what's your opinion on all that? I'm in favor as well. I think um, that, that was my life growing up. So I think that we've got to encourage kids to um, 
continue to play things they they want to. I mean, one of our better players at the high school this year, um, Shelby Tilton, is a Division One lacrosse player who's going to USC on scholarship. And um, she's playing high school soccer for us, scored a goal on Friday night. And I think it's fantastic that um, she continues to play two sports. She hasn't played club soccer since middle school, but she continues to play high school and I think she has a blast doing it. And I think um, they also look at, we look at the injury rates and, you know, in college we have all the sports science stuff and, you know, it, it is affecting these kids growing up and, and we are having kids more likely, you know, for, for ACLs and injuries. And, uh, and we've changed how we do things here as well, because you, you now have to less is more in a lot of ways. You know, you see it in the NBA with, you know, load management, right? So you have to, you have to find a way to manage their, their bodies for the best. But if they play multiple sports, I think, again, you're using different, different muscles. You're using different, um, you know, different skill sets. And I think in, in a lot of ways it's good for kids. And I think especially in high school, you know, the social aspect of kids you grow, you grew up with, to be able to play with them and be, be part of that is cool. And the other thing I always tell kids, they don't realize about high school, it's really the only sports that are in the newspaper. You know, right? You know, the only way they're, you know, club sports, you're not going to read a lot about them in the newspaper. But if they, if they do well in a high school sport, and kids, no matter what, they still like that, especially with social media and everything that's out there, they really do enjoy that. Do you think, though, that club has kind of, I don't want to say ruined, but maybe kind of, I, I don't know. It, it's going to change high school sports. I, I'm of the belief that we're going to see some high school sports go away because of club, because people are, you know, parents are chasing that scholarship for their kid that that may be out there but may not be out there. I think uh, I think that's true, unfortunately, and I, I hope it's not, and I hope it, it doesn't um, really have an impact on, uh, you know, a, a major impact like that on high school sports. My hope is, is that we find a balance at some point. I, I think everything in life goes through cycles. I think we're, we're on a, a specific cycle right now. Um, I'm hopeful, you know, that that changes at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the moment it could head in that direction. And I think, like I said, I think my, my tact has been, you know, let let's make high school enjoyable. You know, the 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 social aspect of it is important. The being with your friends is important. Um, winning isn't everything. You know, I think we're all competitive, but you know, winning a, a a high school soccer game or a high school championship is not the end all be all. There's something to be said about those friendships and um, that you that you have and you build through high school sports that are you know life life lasting. Um, I want to go back to uh, just real quick. I, I've got this written down in my notes. What from your first year, second year, third year? What was the biggest thing that you learned f- at the beginning of your coaching career? How to coach girls. I think um, I needed to understand that I couldn't treat them the same way, and I think I, I you know, kind of went back to this from earlier. Um, I just didn't have any experience and I, I thought it was just like coaching, you know, the boys. And I thought it was, I thought it was this, the same thing. And it was hard cause I was close in age to them too. So it made it even more difficult. Like who is this guy? Right. So I think, you know, learning how they, how to treat them and treat them the right way and, and, and to show that you cared. And um, it's funny that 2003 team, I, I probably have more players 
um, you know, that you keep in touch with through social media or texting or whatever it may be. And I think that's because I finally got it the first couple of years. I, I don't have a whole lot of connection with that group. And I, and I think a lot of it was because I didn't do a great job. So I think once I, I learned that aspect of it, um, building the relationships with them was more important than even the soccer. And I think once, once I kind of figured that out, um, it made a big difference. And then obviously as you know, you get married and you have kids and then you really start to get it right as a parent, you know, what do you value most is that I want, I want my kid to like the coach that they play for, feel like they're respected, feel like they're treated well, feel like they're treated fairly. And I think those, those aspects just grew. Um, and obviously I learned more about soccer as I, as I went through and I, I, I got better tactically and you, you learn all those things, but I really think I learned how to create a culture, how to create, you know, what is Westlake soccer? What are our traditions? How do, how do we do things at Westlake? You know, and I think that was a big part of it. And what do you know now that w- you wish you would have known at the start of your career? Man, ju- just, just how to not worry. I think I felt so much pressure those first couple of years because I think people didn't feel like I was ready or qualified for the job. I mean, I remember one of the local LA times guy basically, you know, ripping the hire when I got hired, um, you know, back then, you know, he wasn't qualified. He didn't have enough experience. And I think some people knew there were some really good candidates out there and they really took a chance on me. And I think, um, I, I think I felt so much pressure that I took that pressure and I put it on the players. And I think, um, if I had to do it over again, you know, those would be big things I fixed. The other thing is that I don't think I understood how important the set piece aspect of high school soccer is. It was even worse back then. The fields were so small because of the grass football fields. The surface wasn't good. Football ruined the surface. We needed to be better. Long throw-ins, corner kicks, you know, those areas. Uh, you know, I was so worried about coaching beautiful pure soccer that I, I, I lost track of how could you win more games at high school, right, back then. And I think now I understand it. And I think we don't always play pretty great soccer, but I think we, we know how you can win in high school. And, and, and I think I learned that as we went through. How has the game changed for you? I see a lot of technology in football where, you know, guys come off on the sideline and everybody's got their iPads and televisions. And then technology is taking over and, and the game has changed. But And I want to ask you about technology and soccer, but how has just the pure game of soccer changed in your 20 years? Um, it's harder to score for sure. And I'll tell you, you know, the, the, the move from a, a team's man marking and defending to zonal defending in the last 10 years has been a major impact. Um, the transition piece of soccer, um, people get behind the ball faster. It's much harder to play beautiful possession soccer and break teams down than it was, you know, 10 years ago, you, because you, you could easily move players and create spaces because you knew people were going to man mark your players. And now with, with zonal defending being such a big aspect of it, you know, that piece of it's really changed. Um, and, and again, in high school, I really think because of the field sizes, you, you've got to be really good on your set pieces, your free kicks, your corners, your long throws, um, defending them and, and the attacking piece of those have to be really important. And then you have to be good in transition. You have to know you can't always play, you know, great soccer. You don't have enough practice time to, to teach them how to play great soccer. And you have a mixed level of, of talent on your team. So you really, you know, to try to play, 
you know, soccer beautifully is a really big challenge. I have a friend at a, another high school um, who's been been there about four years, and you know, he he really believes soccer needs to be played a certain way, and he and it, three and a half years into it, ran into him um, during winter break, I think, last year, and we were talking, and he said. He said, I, I'm finally listening to your advice. He said, I can't, we can't play pretty soccer all the time. He said, I'm driving myself crazy. And, and he kind of went away from it. And all of a sudden he saw his team have a lot more success. So he's now telling other people that, hey, you know, there, there's, there's different ways you can play. And you have to, in, in some way, especially in high school, you got to coach to the level you're coaching. And you've got to find how can you be successful with the group that you have. And how do you do that with kids that are, you know, higher level club players? And then, you you know, you get some of those kids that come in and they don't play club. You know, maybe they played some ASO, but they're decent players. How do you deal with the level, the talent level disparity at the high school level? You, you build your team around the fact that you have those different levels. So you you find the right kids in the right places and you set up a system. We we we're definitely a mix of some decent soccer and and being a little bit more direct at times, but that's because you know there's certain players that you you can play into their feet, and there's certain players that are athletic that you want to play um, into spaces, and you just you just you got to find the mix amongst your team, and 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 then you've got to talk to those different players. I mean the the really high level skilled player, and I got a couple of them on my team. You have to say you're not always going to get the perfect pass or the perfect ball. You're going to have to make the make do with the best. Um, the best of the situation and, and, and you kind of guide them. And I think they have a better attitude about it as well. They understand that there is, and I think they get some joy out of, you know, helping those kids be successful as well. And I think um, you, you can't have a, a, a set way of playing every single year. You really have to look at how can you build your team to be successful for that year in high school and, I have certain ways that, yes, I want soccer to be played, but I have to say, you know what? That may not be best for our team this year, and this is how we have to play. And do you find that those higher-level girls that, hey, you may not receive a perfect pass every time, that it makes them better? Because at the higher levels, yeah, everybody's good, but now I have to maybe change my game, step up my game a little bit. Maybe they become a better, more versatile player. Yeah, I don't think it hurts them. Um, I've seen some growth even even in our you know few games this year from some of our, our our better players of 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 trying to figure things out. You know, they they have to figure things out because it's not going to be how they always expect it to be. I think life it's it's like a life lesson. You never know what's going to happen or what what to expect. I mean, I you said earlier, who would have thought I was working at a video store at sixteen? Um, and I'd be a, you know, a college soccer coach for a living, uh, a high school soccer coach for a living and a club director for a living, you know, who, who would have, who would have thought that that was my path? You know, um, you, you, you don't, right. It's just, you have to go with what you got to go with the flow. Things happen, things change in a, in a soccer game, the same thing's going to happen. And for these players, it's going to be different, but I, I try to explain to them is, you know, there's going to be some challenges. You know what? We got to overcome them. And, you know, I actually find that they are encouraging and they become better leaders with those players. They're trying to help those players. They're having conversations. I saw one of my senior players the other day as we were walking off, walk up to one of the freshman players and have a conversation with her about, you know, hey, if you can play this ball in this area, I think it will help me. And, you know, it, it, as a coach, you want to see that. You know, I was so happy to see that. It was done in such a positive way. I was so impressed. 
And you want to see that because it teaches kids, at least I believe that it teaches kids how to be a leader, how to be led, how to kind of take charge and, and how to do things in a manner that's going to make everybody better, which then makes your entire program better. Yeah, I, I think we, we have this, we as coaches make this mistake. We think just because kids are A, good and B, seniors, that they should be leaders and captains by default. And we don't teach them anything about leadership. We don't teach them how to be leaders. And I will tell you, especially with, with, with women's teams, girls' teams, strong leadership is one of the biggest aspects that you need to have to be successful. So you have to have to be intentional about teaching them how to be leaders, guiding them how to be leaders. And if we don't do that, how can we expect them to be good leaders? Um, and I think, you know, that's why I think some of the books, you know, I'll, I'll bring in articles from time to time um, to share with them about leadership. I think those aspects are important. We can't just assume that they know how to be leaders. And even worse, in, in today's world, I think parents do so much for kids, and kids don't communicate like you and I do, you know, talking as we are now. They do it through text. Right. Do it through Snapchat. They do it through Instagram stories. They do it differently. And teaching them how to actually be leaders and speak to people is a skill that still needs to be taught. It has to be taught. And I think sometimes that when we look at kids and we see the things that they do, it's the, things have definitely changed as far as generations and, and the way kids communicate nowadays. How have you adjusted with that? I think, I mean, I be honest, I obviously I have social media. I have um, I, I have, you know, all, a lot of the technologies that they use, um, I don't use it necessarily with them, but at least I know what they're doing and how they're, and how they're doing it. Um, I laugh because, you know, they'll text me with these, you know, what are acronyms that stand for different things. And, you know, people probably laugh when I say this, you know, I just, I'll either ask one of my younger assistants what it means, or I'll, uh, go to urban dictionary and get the answer. So at least, and, and when they find that you can actually relate to them and you're actually aware of what they're, they're saying or doing, it actually brings you, I think, closer. I think they, they appreciate the, that I've taken the time or, or at least understand how they're trying to communicate. You know, I, I'm, I think you have to evolve with the kids. I think if you try to coach the same way you did 15 years ago or 20 years ago, you're not going to be successful. Now it helps that I have kids of my own. I've got teenagers. I've got a college kid. You know, so I, I have, a, I think, an understanding of – how they how they live and their lives and and stuff. So I I think that helps me. Um, but you actually have to work at it. You can't just assume. Um, it, it makes a big difference. Now you're obviously coaching college, coaching high school. There are some differences at, at the college level. You've got some girls that are in their early to maybe mid twenties, and then in high school, you've got some some kids that are freshmen. What's the difference in dealing with? you know, older kids who are much more mature. And then you've got, you know, some, some young kids who are maybe, you know, just kind of hesitant and afraid that this is their first experience doing something at that, that level playing soccer. The, the, the college aspect is easy. They're, they're, they're almost, they're adults. By the time they're juniors and seniors, you can have real conversations with them. Um, real adult level conversations. I, I teach a class here at the college as well. And, uh, even the teaching aspect of that is 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 so different than high school. There's no, you never have behavioral issues or discipline issues. They they're 
they're real people and you can have real conversations. Uh, the freshman kid in, in high school is it, still the, – the difference is you still have a chance to really mold them and help them and guide them. And you can have uh, – I think I find myself having more fun. I you know There's more of the high five, how you doing, um, what's going on, how was your day – sort of aspect of it um it's 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 i think that's the easiest way i can explain it you know you're gonna have a more serious conversation with your your college junior or senior uh a more like you and i are having a conversation right now and with the the high school kid it's more giving them confidence showing them that you trust them and and believe in them and giving them the confidence to be successful giving them a high five when they when they deserve it you know those kind of things i think are are important um it's really different. And it's, I kind of, it kind of, it's for me, it's such a interesting year. So I go from losing the second round of, of the playoffs in the NCAA tournament this year, we actually tied the game and lost in PKs and we missed a couple good chances in overtime. And then you're out the next week coaching high school and the levels vastly different. The age range is vastly different, um, at least from the freshmen to the older ones. I mean, that the seniors are very similar, but it's just very different. And I, I find myself, going out and having a good time. And I think if you have a, and go out and have a good time with them, they're going to have a good time back with you. And uh, things are loose. I think our, our high schools is loose. The hardest difference is I do have to like reel them in or discipline them occasionally at the high school, you know, keep them focused and on task, tell them, you know, you don't talk while I'm talking, you know, some simple things that uh, college kids have respect. And um, I think that that's been the biggest the biggest difference part of it is they're paying to be there. Right. So yeah. they're, they want to make the most of what they, they have. And, and at some schools they are paying a whole heck of a lot of money. It's correct. Uh, hey, Frank, I, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join me on here. The last thing I want to do is I want to ask you five questions and whatever just comes to mind real quick, just answer. Okay. Sport you would be coaching if not soccer. Uh, golf. Best Christmas present you ever received as a kid? Oh, wow. Best Christmas present I ever received as a kid. Oh, man. Um, I, that one, I, that, that, you know, you think I would remember this off the top of my head. Um, I'm going to say um, tickets to Disneyland. All right. Your dream car. My dream car. I'm going to do this for my seven-year-old, a Tesla. All right. Best practical joke you played or had played on you? Oh, wow. The best practical joke I've had played on me or I've played on somebody else. I'm not the practical jokester's type. I don't know if I can answer this one. Um, man, I can't think of that one. That one I'd have, to, I'd have to spend some time on. All right. Best golf score, no mulligans. Best golf score, no mulligans. I shot. Um, unfortunately, this course is closed down, so that's this is even worse for me. I shot um, sixty nine at Mountain View in Santa Paula, which I think at the time was two under par. Um, at that course, it closed down a couple years ago. So, um, unfortunately, that's um, not you're not going to be. Uh, not not going to be in the record books much longer because the course isn't there, huh? Yeah, but you were you shot two under. I did shoot two under, so that that was good good day that I'll never forget. I'd be lucky to shoot uh, twenty over par these days, but uh, 
you know, because I have five kids and not enough time to do it. Yeah. And they all have names that start with M. Where did that come from? Oh, well, that's partly true. Uh, that comes from my wife. She believed they all should have M names. Now, uh, and of course, I'm going to put this on the record. My first son, who goes by Merrick, his name is actually legally Frank. Um, his middle name is Merrick. Um, I am Frank the Fifth, so he is legally Frank the Sixth. But if you ask him or his mother, his name is Merrick. That's that's crazy, man. Five kids, man. How do you do it? How are you doing with five of them? I have a wonderful wife who um, doesn't doesn't work because her full time job is taking care of our children. So she is probably the best coach's wife you could ever imagine or ever have. She gets it. She understands. And I, I think what, what people don't realize is, is because I do work a lot, I'm gone a lot. And she, she, she enjoys what I do. I mean, she brings, she drags those kids to our games. You, you go to her social media, half her pictures are them in the stands at our games. She, she enjoys it. Um, and then it really makes us value our time together. When we can get away for a couple of days or we can spend time together, we truly enjoy each other. And I think, you know, this long into it, um, that's always a great thing. Fantastic. Well, Frank, thanks so much. Good luck the rest of the season. And uh, maybe we'll head out uh, to the golf course one day, someday soon. Yeah. And I, I got to say for the record, you know, my, my, my biggest regret in life was was not being able to coach Kendall Moskal in college. So we're, <laughs> We're going to hold, hold you responsible for that one. But, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I, I, I thank you for that. Things worked out for her. She had a great time at Northridge playing for Keith. But uh, I'm sure we would have been playing a lot more golf if she would have gone out to Kalu for you. She did. And, and, and by the way, we, we talked about that. She had a tremendous college career and has done so well with her life. You, sh- you should be definitely a, a proud dad. Yeah, we are. We are. We're happy. All right, Frank. Thanks so much, man. We'll catch up soon. Tony, thanks. Have a good one. All right. Talk to you. If you enjoyed the show, please rate it. Please subscribe. If you're interested in advertising or sponsoring the show, please let me know via Twitter at Tony Moskal or via email at TonyMoskal at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great rest of your day. With the holidays just around the corner, now is the time to order holiday cards for family and friends. Only this year, why not create custom holiday photo cards quickly, easily, and affordably at simplytoimpress.com. Simplytoimpress.com is your holiday photo card headquarters with thousands of unique Christmas cards and other designs to choose from. All you do is upload your family photos, personalize the text, and you're done. Simplytoimpress.com prints your cards on your choice of premium card stock in just a few days and rushes them straight to your door. Maybe that's why the New York Times wire cutter named Simply to Impress their favorite photo card service. They even offer foil cards and hundreds of great holiday card designs for your business too. Place your order today to save 30% and get free shipping. Just enter promo code DEAL at checkout. Save big on holiday photo cards today using promo code DEAL at simplytoimpress.com. That's simply to impress.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. Swimsuit, check. Sunscreen, check. Phone charger, check. 
Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.